Blog Talk Radio. Hi and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Pamela J. Smith is a mythologist, author, and award-winning writer, producer, director, with over 30 years' experience in the media industry. She is the founder of MythWorks, co-founder of Alpha Babe Academy, and Mythic Challenges, Create Stories That Change the World. Her credits include Fox, Disney, Paramount, Microsoft, Universal, and RAI TV Rome. She served on think tanks for the U.S. Army's Advanced Warfighting Working Group at Fort Knox, giving presentations on the warrior archetype. Pamela's book, Romantic Comedies, is her tribute to love and the movies that show us how to find, hold, and relish it in our romantic relationships. And Carol, Pamela's book is published also by Michael Weezy Publishing, the same publisher for your Art of Film Funding book. Right, Claire. Uh, Michael Weezy is such a brilliant publisher, and he's truly a heartfelt man. So I bet he was a big help with you, Pamela, as you wrote this book, right? Yes, absolutely. I've, this was my fourth book with uh, Michael Weezy Productions. And I've always enjoyed working with them, but this one was much more of a collaboration. And so during the um, the design and the approach of the book, uh, Michael and uh, Ken Lee, who's uh, vice president and also one of the publishers, we all had these wonderful phone conversations together about, oh, we should do this a little more and do a little bit of that. And they were really good ideas. And both of them yes. were very encouraging and very, very helpful on uh, on, on the, the creation of the book. Well, what about uh, choosing the films? Uh, did they help you do that? Did Michael help you, or did you do all that? I did almost all of it. Now, I did ask other people, other colleagues and friends and relatives, what their favorite romantic comedies were and why. But there was one that Ken insisted that I have, and that was Trainwreck. And I thought, why? Because I, I was, had no interest in seeing that film. I thought, eh, yeah, right. I was so surprised that it was so good. And said, oh, yeah, Ken, you are so right. Because it's, it's really a deep, heartfelt story about an individual who's wounded as a child and how she eventually overcomes that in order to find true love and the fun part was uh because i I always wanted to include in the choices to uh movies that guys would like as well as girls so it wasn't just a chick flick book and uh the the one who helps her do this that helps amy schumer is lebron james yes the lebron james and so the whole movie is laced through with basketball and it was uh, nothing I ever would have chosen on my own, but I'm so glad that Ken suggested that it be in there. 
Yes, that sounds great. Well, <clears throat> what is it that makes a romantic comedies such a popular um, genre? I think psychologically speaking, it's about getting what you desire, getting your heart's desire. And so, you know, whether a person is wanting to become an Olympic athlete or they want to become a great musician or they want to get the love of their life, it's about seeing something you desire and then it all goes wrong and you have to work in order to achieve the goal. So it's that real basic thing of of desire and then um, actually having to do something to accomplish it and then getting the reward. So in myth, uh, is what myth would it be or myths would you say work uh, towards romantic comedies or similar to that kind of information? Well, actually a number of them, and that that's a good question. Um, that I'm seldom asked. Thank you. Uh, actually, there is a mythic theme, which is uh, lost love rescued, and it's basically the Orpheus and Eurydice myth, where they're very happy together, and then uh, on their wedding day, she gets bitten by a snake and whisked down to the underworld, and then he has to go rescue her and bring her back. Now, in some versions it works, and in some it doesn't. There's another <laughs> mythic theme about the search for the soulmate where you actually go out looking to find the person. Even the search for the promised land is that same formula of wanting something and then having to take action in order to achieve it. So a number number of mythic themes do that. Uh, Well, that's moonstruck to me, search for the soulmate, because they were actually, they came across as if they were made for each other. Oh, absolutely, yes. Absolutely. And you wrote about that in the book. This is one of the films that I really uh, love, so I was uh, excited to see that you had chosen it. And so give us some information about this film so people will understand what the book is like. Oh, okay. Well, the, um, the nature of the book, just to give you the pattern there first and then specifically into Moonstruck, is that uh, we give – it is a movie guide. So we give the release date and the cast, you know, the main stars, and there is a a brief synopsis, just two or three sentences of the uh, film itself. And then, mythologically speaking, we get into the lover types. What are the archetypes for that particular movie? And um, then three love lessons from it. So, you know, what what do you get because this book is about using films to improve your own romantic situations, your own relationships. So, it uh then has those the three love lessons and then um uh, it gets into a more elaborate description of the storyline. And so, with that and they they've chosen wonderful pictures. Once again, uh Praise to Michael Weesey Productions. They have a wonderful design team, and they um, they put together some beautiful design work on the images too. So the reason that Moonstruck came in, and this was actually the suggestion of uh, one of my romantic girlfriends, 
who said, oh, you have to have Moonstruck in there. And I went, <laughs> well, yeah, of course I do. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> so right. it's, um, it's the story of someone who has settled for less, and that is Cher, who's engaged to Danny Aiello. And it's okay, you know, he treats her well, she likes him, but there's no fire, there's no passion. And so he's going off to Italy to tell his family that he's getting married. And he says, please convince my no-good younger brother who's estranged from us all to come to the wedding. Well, you can just guess what's going to happen. And sure enough, it does. She goes to meet him to try to convince him, and sparks fly. And it is just amazing. Um, He has some wonderful lines from that. Uh, one of them that's in the book, um, Nicholas Cage, says to Cher, everything seems like nothing to me now because I want you in my bed. I don't care if I burn in hell. I don't care if you burn in hell. <laughs> the past and the future is a joke to me now. I see that they're nothing. I see they ain't here. The only thing that's here is you and me. And then he swoops her up and carries her into the bedroom. Oh, that was a great scene, wasn't it? Wasn't but it? It was yeah. so well acted. I mean, uh, I, that was my favorite film that Cher did because she just was in it with both feet, and so was he. They were perfect in that film. Oh, they yes, yes, they were. And she had some resistance, which is good because, once again, in in the romantic comedy paradigm, there has to be resistance. I mean, that's the formula. And the middle part is the resistance and how you overcome it in order to achieve love or the deeper friendship or uh, repairing a family relationship. And so she does she does try to resist just a little bit, but it's not it's much. Amazing, not much. No, no. And the grandfather was so great. And when he said in that film, and he looked around, everybody said, "I'm confused." And I thought, that "You're not the only one." <laughs> Well, that's true, and what I think, in all the films that are in this book, I kept an eye out for those that would have a deeper meaning than just boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy gets girl back, you know, to that effect. And so in that one, so many people's relationships changed in that movie because of what Nicolas Cage and Cher were brave enough to do. Yes, yes. That is so true. It yes, they brought everybody out of the doldrums and into the now. They quite right. That's quite right. Right. Well, in w- another one of my favorites is Pretty Woman, and so go tell us about that. Oh, Pretty Woman. Yeah. Well, I must say I have a little bit of a problem with it, but uh, personally, but I I had to be in the book because it's you know, one of the all-time most popular and money-making romantic comedies of, of all time. Yes. And I, my problem with it is um, I thought it was glamorizing a profession that didn't need to be glamorized. But on the other hand, it's also saying something, and I, I see this more now, it's also saying something about... Um, Social mobility and transformation. And Cinderella's so, story. It's totally a Cinderella story, except Cinderella was only a maid. She wasn't a working girl. 
<laughs> well, in well. the you know parlance of the times. So, um, but yeah, I think what what it does too is it's one of those films that has uh, what I call the double helix plot, where there's two things going on at the same time. And that, of course, is her transformation, and it's also Richard Gere's transformation. And they both change each other. And I think that is pretty wonderful. Because You're not kidding, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a line in there where, where uh, Richard Gere says to her, you and I are such similar creatures, Vivian. We both screw people for money. <laughs> well... Yeah, okay, but by the end of the story, they have both become something very, very different. They have elevated each other. It's what, um, it's chivalric love, and chivalric love is the kind that transforms you. And it's the perfect epitome of that, symbolically, when he climbs up the fire escape at the end. He's climbing up the tower like the, the noble knight to rescue the maiden. And so yeah. he fulfills her dream. He becomes a better man. She becomes a better woman. Yes. That Plus was there's so lots great. of great clothes and, and, and pretty scenes, oh. and both of them are very easy to look at. So, You know, the shopping spree, when he sent her on that shopping spree, I think every woman in America was, was just loving that with an unlimited credit card to go into some of those <laughs> snobbery stores and buy anything you want where you know you're grossly overpaying and it doesn't really matter. Who wouldn't want to do that just once in your life, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. The fulfillment of some of those dreams you never thought really you'd ever get to fulfill. But she transformed when she got out of those high boots and short skirt and into some of these gorgeous, stylish outfits. You could see her transforming. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. And I, I think that's a real important thing, too. Um, there's that, well, that old saying, clothes make the man. Well, and the woman and anybody. And so uh, just as a, a side note, part of the work I also do is personal myth consulting and image consulting and to work with people on what they wear. And, you know, a number of your listeners may either do that themselves or, you know, have worked with someone like that. But you know what a difference it makes in what you put on. And think about actors and costume designers. They're doing that. They're putting on another personality. So I think that's a... It's a really visual way for a lot of us to see and learn something about transformation. And sometimes you work from the outside in. Mm-hmm. And then you become what you are dressing to be. It's exactly what it felt like, that she just changed. She began to change. And going to those uh, posh restaurants, and when she, what was it, her escargot, and she <laughs> went flying across the room, and the maitre d' caught it with one hand, and said, not that a problem. So like, that this so goes funny. on all the time. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. That was a good shot. Well, um well, I'd love to go back and do maybe another one if we have a chance to see. As Good As It Gets was another one that I, I really loved because Jack was was just so weird in that one. It was delightful to see him in that character and how she was as weird as he was, yet they got together. So, But let me, let me ask you, um, 
what do you think? Who's the audience for this movie guide? Because I really, I love it. And I was thinking of my daughter, who that's 90% of what she watches is romantic Mm -hmm. comedies. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the audience is, frankly, anyone who wants to enjoy their relationships more. Anyone who wants to have a relationship. And the, for instance, some of the, chapter titles because these movies are categorized into a different uh, what is the message that they put across so for instance one of the chapters is am i good enough to be loved Uh, Mm -hmm. another one is oops too late did you totally miss this opportunity (laughs) or uh, you know don't mind the age gap family foibles uh you were mentioning um as good as it gets, and that's in the yeah. chapter on crazy love. Is it worth it? Right. And uh, she has that uh, wonderful line. Helen Hunt says to Jack Nicholson, "Do you have any idea how creepy you can be?" <laughs> <laughs> it's like he kind of looks at her like, "Huh?" <laughs> but once again, there is transformation there. Yeah. So, uh, as far as the audience goes, there are chapters based on the kinds of situations and problems that people have in their relationships. When uh, Ken Lee first came to me to write this book, it was you know, based on an article that said that uh, people who, couples who watch romantic comedies together and talk about them in that study had a better stay-together rate than couples who went to couples counseling. So he wow. said, well, let's play with that. Let's just play with that idea. And so whether a person's in a relationship and they want to improve it, they're not in one and they want to be, they've broken up and they're tired of being brokenhearted, we just cover all kinds of, well, 25 different situations, different categories. And then within each of those are Mm -hmm. the selected films, four selected films in each of the chapter categories. So you have 100 films total. Yes. Uh huh. Yes. Now, actually, some of them are repeated, though, because the classics are once again they're good because that they've got that double helix, that multiple layer thing going on. So they address a number of problems. Oh, and one more thing about um, who would like this book? I've tried really hard to be sure that there was plenty in there for you know guy guys as well as, you know, anyone, (laughs) let's say, on the gender spectrum or the tendency spectrum, or I don't know what I'm doing. But there's a wonderful quote from uh, one of the readers that's on the back of the book. Pardon me. And he says, I will no longer be watching rom-coms alone with a cheesecake. I'll watch them (laughs) with my girlfriend to prevent that from ever happening. Oh, how lovely. Yeah. That's great. That's just what you want to hear, isn't it? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Perfect. Well, I noticed that your resume is full of adventure, mythology, science, and military interest. So I thought that was very strange that you had a book on romantic comedies. Um, I thought so, too. (laughs) Once again, it was was Ken who came to me and said, we'd like you to do this book. And Mm -hmm. I said pretty much, well, you say, you know I'm the uh, military adventure mythology person. I don't do chick flick stuff. He said, oh, no, no, we think you'd be really good at this, and, you know, we want to put archetypes in it, and we want the sense of humor, and he convinced me. And 
it's amazing. I I now am a fan of romantic comedies, and I wasn't. I, I have my favorites, but I was not a big fan. My my, you know, library isn't filled with rom coms. Wasn't, wasn't. But I, I became well, a convert. Did you did you even consider Wuthering Heights? No, because it's not a comedy. Oh. But it's I a mean, love it's, story. It's not yeah. a comedy. That's it. Yeah. Uh, well, of course, it's not way on the other side of a comedy. But that it is, is such a although great I guess love a cynic could call it a maybe a comedy, a dark comedy of the dangers of obsessive love. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, okay. I just was wondering to, to tell me more about the other books that you've got through Michael Weesey. What are they? Oh, all right. Well, the first one I did with them is on how to use the chakras to create characters. And it wow. was called, yeah, it's called Inner Drives. And I studied metaphysics for many, many years, eight years of formal study with comparative mysticism and metaphysics. And so, of course, you study the chakras, uh, which is real. And um, it just is a fabulous way to create characters. And I teach this to actors and writers and directors and show them how coming from, if your listeners are familiar at all with the, with the chakras, going, let's say, from the root chakra, which is about survival, oh, let's say up to the aspirational solar plexus, which is about inclusion and lifting everybody up and, and being uh, kind and gentle as opposed to about just sheer survival. And by using the emotional and psychological attributes of a particular chakra, you can get very distinct portrayals in your characters. And then the next... Oh, yes, wonderful. And uh, I I love teaching it to actors because we'll use the same scene and I'll, you know, introduce them to the chakras and show them movie clips illustrating each one. And then we'll assign the parts in the scene and I'll say, okay, Claire, I want you to do this from the lower solar plexus. And uh, Carol, let's have you do the throat chakra. Oh, and my gosh, you, how you perform the scene. Yeah. And say, so, okay, now, Claire, I want you to do it from the sacral. And Carol, do it from uh, lower solar plexus. Just yeah. change it all around. Same scene, same words, entirely different performances. Of course. Yeah. Wow, gosh. Well, Carolyn Mace would love to hear this. I, I met Carolyn in uh, back in the 80s at Robert Monroe's Applied Science Institute oh. in the oh. hills in Virginia. We became uh, friends, and that was before uh, she had just written the first book with uh, uh, Still Point Publishing at that time. But she mm-hmm. really opened the doors for all of us to learn about our own chakras and what all they mean to us. So um, I've never heard of using it for acting and in the movies, but what a brilliant idea. Yeah, it was just all there. You know, once you start looking at it that way, you go, oh, yeah, okay, of course. Yes, and she really did a wonderful job of popularizing it, uh, like Joseph Campbell did in popularizing mythology, and so it's it's really wonderful to have had them breaking that ground. I was just watching um, Joseph Campbell the last few nights. And oh. before he died, some of the things he said are so 
important. I mean, it's as if he had come to know um, a lot about consciousness and who we are and why we're here. Um, so I, I think it's really important to go back and, and keep listening to him. Uh, particularly, Netflix has two DVDs that really will open your mind about you as a person, as a human being, and how it's just a body. We're a, we're spirit in a body and just dropping the body is he said several times and listening to him so i've i think mythology is another most important part of our lives that we get so busy we forget about well it's true and mythology is all around us and with i just wrote down to uh, look up the joseph campbell <laughs> things on netflix so thank you um yes Pardon me. Yeah, mythology is with us all the time. We just don't realize it. And in the work that I do as a consultant for you know, writers, filmmakers, individuals, it's just about becoming conscious and doing your creativity consciously. So, you know, anything that helps us become more aware of that, all the better. And well, myths are... tell me more about this consulting. Because uh, so, first of all, tell us how people can reach you, please. Oh, okay. Well, they can go to my website, and they can get there from uh, mythworks.net, M-Y-T-H-W-O-R-K-S. That's the name of my company, mythworks.net. And they can learn a whole lot more about it, and I... Always offer a uh, oh, fifteen-minute free call to just you know chat about how we might be able to do something together. So, but I highly urge people check out mythology in in whatever way and where you can. And there's so many more books now out about it. And myths are those stories we tell ourselves to explain the world around us and within us. So exactly, yeah, and we need more of that. So all of your listeners who are storytellers, content creators, wow, learn from the myths and keep telling us those stories that do explain things for us. Well, if you were working with storytellers, let's say someone um, has a book and they want to put it into a film, um, mm-hmm. do you work on projects like that? Uh, yes, I do. I do. And I've had clients who've got, you know, novels in many different genres, people's uh, screenplays in all sorts of different styles and genres, and can help them with that transformation. And at any stage of the process, whether it's brainstorming or the uh, the last touch of, well, my favorite story about that is, I, I worked on a number of films with uh, production designer Cynthia Charette, who most recently was doing uh, Jane the Virgin. And I worked on a couple of Wes Craven films. And she even called up one day, the last day of shooting, and she said, okay, now what color should we paint this floor where uh, we've got this coffin and the vampire is going to come out of it? What color should the floor be? I said, oh, I love this job. It's so great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, which color of the chakras did you choose? Oh, it had to be dark purple. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, wow, yeah. that's great. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Well, um, okay, so basically, so it, you wrote a book on myths. What was the name of that? 
Oh, uh, the other books that I did with Michael Weesey Productions, I yeah. did one called The Power of the Dark Side, and that's about creating great villains and dangerous situations and looks at everything from the anti-hero to, you know, big monsters to people's own foibles and describing different types of baddies and then um, how people go bad and how you can deal with it and a, a lot of mythic examples within that. And then the third one was Symbols, Images, Codes, and it's a beautiful book. Once again, they did a great job with it of um, the different ways you can use symbolism and divide it into all oh, like colors, the elements, earth, air, fire, water, and once again, a lot of mythic things in there to illustrate, and then uh, movie images to illustrate how well you can use that. I have another one that is more mythological, and this is one that I've done myself, my own company. And that's Beyond the Hero's Journey, Other Powerful oh. Mythic Themes. Yeah, oh, and wonderful. I'm about to come out with a second edition of that that will be greatly expanded. But in that, I talk about the mythic themes, like Stealing Fire from Heaven or The Search mm-hmm. for the Soulmate. And what's the background? What's the myth? You know, tell the background myth and then offer plot points. There's usually about a dozen plot points for each myth. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing a story, you don't need to touch all of those 12. You can just just hit six of them and we will get it. Because it's something that resonates, you know, throughout our humanity, the collective unconscious and the collective consciousness. And so that's why myths are so universal and you keep finding the same themes. And Campbell does a wonderful job in his uh, four-book series, The Masks of God, and showing mm-hmm. how the same stories keep turning up over and over and over again in different cultures and different times. So just once again, being more conscious of it, being more aware of it. And mm-hmm. it's not like a, it's not a formula. You can choose any six plot points, and as long as you touch upon those, it's like a musical key or a, a painting palette. Mm-hmm. And then your audience will, will consciously or not go, oh, now I get it. It's this kind of story. Okay, okay, let's see what happens. Right. Oh, this and, is marvelous. You must be writing every day, Pamela. Oh, I wish I were that good <laughs> at being so disciplined. Um, I do have one more that's also uh, from our company, and that's called Show Me the Love and All Kinds of Love for All Kinds of Stories. And we cover, like, civil society, you know, the love of love of country, best friends forever, warrior bonding, family love, you know, love of death and destruction, love of adventure. And we're going to be doing a second book with even more kinds of love in that. So the great thing about being a mythologist is you've got like 10,000 years worth of stories. You never run out of material. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And, well, one more thing. I want to go back to your book, and I want to ask sure. you about um, can writers use this movie guidebook for their work in other genres? Yeah, I think so, and here's why. You need some kind of love in every story, and you know that's why we did the Show Me the Love book. But you also can use this formula of 
the desire and then action and then fulfillment in you know even documentaries in uh, horror stories in any genre it's going to be richer if somebody has that yearning they're blocked from it and then they have to take action in order to get it and that's basically a story formula anyway so mm-hmm. you can take a look at for instance the uh the 25 chapter headings and if you're doing say a story about uh people from different walks of life different classes then you could say okay well maybe I'll take a look at Roman Holiday or Sabrina and see how and they're kind of the flip side in Roman Holiday uh Audrey Hepburn is a princess and in Sabrina the female is the daughter of the chauffeur so you can make a um make some kind of a reference to class differences and go oh well, mm-hmm. here's another aspect of that hmm maybe i could put in like a similar line or a similar scene that would get that across so yeah just for inspiration and um yeah forgiveness two weeks notice maybe in your story somebody needs to be forgiven even if it's a dark drama but you mm-hmm. can learn something about forgiveness by watching Two Weeks Notice or Notting Hill. And oh, wonderful. Of yeah, course, you're so smart yeah. to back into oh. it that way for writers. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, it's all right there. <laughs> Once again, it's just you step a little to the side, you get a different perspective, and you go, oh, yeah, that could work. Yeah, of course. Well, I really enjoyed it, and I think uh, – you know, not only will my daughter love it, but a lot of women will find this uh, because they'll be able to, based on what's happening in their relationship, pull up uh, the book, look for the films that will um, create dialogue around that issue and perhaps resolve problems. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was the whole intent of it, too, was for it to be, um, and I, I usually don't like this term, but it, it, it's meant to be kind of self-help along with entertainment, you know, based yes. on that original article from which then Ken said, oh, this could make an interesting book. But yeah. it's to help people, yes, like what you said, just improve their relationships. And and I think it also make a, and June's right around the corner, I think it would make <laughs> a, a great bridesmaid's gift also. Absolutely. Brilliant idea. Well, Pamela, please share your information again on how we can reach you. Yes, it's MythWorks.net, M-Y-T-H-W-O-R-K-S.net. They can also find, it'll take them to the same place, PamelaJSmith.com. And they can see uh, upcoming events, and um, they can get on our mailing list. Initial, Pamela, is that initial J, or do you spell it out? It's uh, spelled out. It's Mm P-A-M-E-L-A-J-A-Y-E. S-M-I-T-H, PamelaJSmith.com. Okay, good. All right. And if I'm people sorry. want to get on our mailing list at the mm-hmm. website, they can t- go to the uh, lower left menu and sign up for our mailing list. And we send out a newsletter oh, uh, once a month, sometimes more if there's something special going on. Okay. But it has and stories Pamela, and mythological things. Mm-hmm. Pamela, you're also on social media as well? 
Oh, yes, Facebook, LinkedIn, Stage 32. And for all of your listeners who are in the media industry, Stage 32 is a wonderful, wonderful organization. If they aren't already familiar with it, I say go right to it, S-T-A-G-E, and then the number 32. And I think it's .com or maybe .org, but it's a great place for networking with other filmmakers in the complete spectrum from you know, props to writing to acting to editing, composing. It's a wonderful meeting place, and they have a lot of uh, webinars and actual mixers where people get together physically. Oh, good. Thank you very much. All right. Well, we want to know when you get your second edition of um, Beyond the Hero's Journey and let us know because we'd like to have you come talk about it with us. Oh, thank you. That would be delightful. Okay, I sure will. Thank you. Okay, Pamela. Yes, and Claire and I thank you so much. You've done a marvelous job today bringing romantic comedies to life. Well, thank you. And I must say, I listened to some of the other interviews you've done, and it's just amazing. I I, I want to, like, take three weeks off and just go through all of them. Oh, how kind of you. Thanks. Thank you. It's it's uh it's an honor to be part of it. Thank you both so much. Okay. Okay, it's our pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. 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 Be well everyone. Be well everyone. Now in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has twelve new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone.